What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 91.5, and we are continuing and finishing our trek through The Witcher 3 Wild Hunts DLC, The Hearts of Stone. First of two. Yes. So we're uh, we're finishing up The Hearts of Stone, and we will be moving on to Blood and Wine, but uh, I think we made the announcement on Twitter. We'll go ahead and make the announcement here. Uh, our next game before Blood and Wine will be the PlayStation 3 game Folklore, which has been on our list since Phoenix Down was conceived. Even before Phoenix <laughs> Down was conceived, I think yeah. we were talking about it on old Zombie Frog Game Club. Yep, it's been on my list basically since I started making lists yep. of old games to play. Yep, so we're finally going to get that one out of the way. But, uh, yeah, Matt, um, Matt's with us today. Hello. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be, uh, finishing up Hearts of Stone. I beat it, uh, a couple days ago. Matt beat it two weeks ago. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I, um, there was a few things that happened, uh, last week, unfortunately, or actually the week before last, um, uh, my wife's cat passed away and, uh, she took it really hard. And so I decided to just, you know, not going to play any games. I just want to be there to support her and um, help her get through this hard time. So, uh, plus a few life points, if anything is. Well, you know, I, I try to be a good husband. So it's a. Uh, and also, there's a few things going on in the world. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, um, uh, and uh, even more stuff going on in my life. <laughs> so, uh, my job. I'm working uh, six days a week right now, guys. So uh, bringing these podcasts to you is um, a little challenging at times. But uh, we're getting it done. Uh, but yeah, so uh, with uh, Hearts of Stone last we left off, uh, we had fulfilled one of the wishes for Olgird von Everick. Uh, we showed his brother a good time. Uh, it just so happened his brother was dead. We allowed him to possess our body. We went to a wedding and had a grand time there. And I did actually have a good time, too. I mean, I thought that was a fun, you know, a little bit different, you know, seeing Geralt in a different light and just, you know, the the whole possession thing was kind of fun, the back and forth with, with Shawnee. You know, it, it wasn't the beginning of the DLC per se, but, it, you know, it was a pretty good chunk of it and uh yeah just i've i've had a good time i mean not that i hadn't with the rest of <laughs> the witcher 3 it, it's been it, it's been pretty fun but so far up until that point yeah i'd also been really enjoying the dlc yeah I, I would you remember how we equated dragon age origins as the blockbuster movie while dragon age 2 was kind of like the the yep. four season television series kind of thing yeah i feel like the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt was the five to six season television series, and the Hearts of Stone is like the blockbuster movie because of the certain things that happen, because it's kind of short. Um, well, I wouldn't say kind of short, but it's, it's shorter than anything else you've experienced in The Witcher 3. Um, and this, some of the set pieces, like, you know, Geralt now has to, Geralt, basically, you have your plot. Your plot is, he has to fulfill these three wishes. How do we do that? And then it, you know, 
Act one, first wish. Act two, second wish. Act three, last wish, kind of thing. So yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. I was going to say that it's like a movie, but like maybe like a made-for-TV movie. I I, I enjoyed you know, it. Yeah, I, I did too. But it's not like you're dealing with the Wild Hunt. You're not getting deep, you know, Witcher mythology. You're getting clearly a side story. I mean, it it, it is, it's a really good side story, but it's clearly not like a mainline entry. Like you would never confuse this with a with a new Witcher game coming yeah. out. Yeah, this this feels like kind of the, a short story from the the book of the last wish kind of thing. You know, yeah. Was, like like they started making a good side mission and said, Oh shit, this is better than just a side mission. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Um, so our next wish that we have to fulfill is bringing Von Everick, uh, a house. Um, it's a mansion. I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the mansion, but, um, yeah, how are we supposed to bring a house to somebody? Well, we know where the deed to the house is. It's in an auction. Uh, so we decide to go to this auction and see if we can maybe get somebody to buy it for us. I don't know. We don't really know yet. It's Bar- Barsodi's house, right? Barsodi's house. There you go. So, um, yeah, uh, when we go there, uh, we meet up with, uh, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, I'm sure we ran into him at some point in the Witcher three, I think, but, uh, Geralt knows him, the dwarf who's kind of like a big socialite. Yeah. Yeah. They were clearly familiar with each other, but I don't know. All those dwarfs look the same to me. <laughs> I, I don't know who this guy was, but he obviously knew Geralt. And so he basically got him into the auction. Um, we go around and we kind of, you know, try to blend in with everybody. Uh, and, uh, I got the little, you get like these little side, little, very small, di- almost like dialogue options that you can talk to these, these proper people at this auction. Uh, yeah, he says, I want to introduce you to three friends. Yeah. So, uh, I, one of them actually led us to a older woman who knew a whole lot about Witcher stuff. Yep. Um, and I was able actually to buy some Witcher gear off of her or the, the diagrams for the gear. It's the Viper school. I was like, yay, I can finally do the Viper school stuff. It's only level 40 and I'm like level 38, so I can't even wear it yet. But, uh, she wants to talk to us to the side. You know, she says, oh, I lost my ring or something like that. And, uh, she sends Geralt out to a balcony to, to find it. And Geralt's like, okay, there's no ring out here. And then she meets him. She's like, okay, the reason why I know so much about witchers is because I fell in love with one a long time ago. His name was Vesemir. And, oh, so. We know a Vesemir. I know a Vesemir. And she wants to know exactly how Vesemir's doing. So I'm assuming if I were to play this DLC, before the second of the last mission, there might have been a different answer. Yeah. Because Geralt's like, I'm sorry to tell you, but he he's dead. He he died in a in a siege at Caramoran. And um But I'm I'm assuming if you haven't done that mission yet, he's like, Oh, he's fine, he's up there at Caramoran just hanging out with people. <laughs> you know. So I don't I don't know. Um, 
but it was nice to see, you know, they brought some of that back and tried to connect some things. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, talking to all these, I got, I got the painting wrong and the guy scoffed at me. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. I, how am I supposed to know? Uh, it's just a guess, I guess. But, um, yeah. Uh, so the person we're here to meet is, uh, a guy, God, I can't remember this guy's name. He, he, he runs the auction house. He owns it. Um, but he also does trading and dealing on the side with the auction house. Uh, and this guy who has, wants nothing to do with Geralt. Like, hates him to the beginning. <laughs> and every single time I talk to him, it seemed like I made him more mad. To the point where he called the guards and kicked me out of the auction house. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there is any way to avoid that, right? I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Either way, we, um, we get kicked out. And in doing so, we run into a hooded, very shadowy looking man who says, well, I know what you're looking for. I know how to get it. If you want to, uh, if you want to get it, why don't you, uh, meet me at this place? And he's like, well, who are you? He's like, hey, you'll find out later. So, yeah, because so, so much of this next section is about breaking back in. I don't, there can't be any way you could just bypass it, right? Yeah, I'm assuming you have to get kicked out. So uh, it's not my lack of charm. No, no, I I kind of wanted to be a douchebag to this guy because this, this guy <laughs> was just mean. So um, we go and meet with this guy, uh, and he is what seems to be a professional thief. He's come up with this plan that is basically a heist. We're going to break into the auction house, go to where he keeps all his treasures, and we'll steal whatever we want. You get what you want. I get what I want. We all live happily ever after. And when this sequence started, I got a big smile on my face. Because I was like, oh, it's like a heist movie. Because he was like, all right, yep. so before we start this plan, we gotta we got to recruit some people. And he gives us options on who we're going to recruit. We're going to need somebody who can climb this large tower. And uh, he's like, there's, so there's a couple people. There's this um, uh, this elven uh, like circus performer who does like a whole bunch of acrobatics. Or there's this uh, dwarf guy. Or halfling guy as a halfling. Uh, and then we need a demolition expert. We got a dwarf who can blow up anything. Or there's a human guy, but he's in prison right now, so you're going to have to spring him out. So you have to choose who to go with. And I get the feeling every single person chose the exact same person. Uh, maybe. Who I'm going gonna, gonna to guess. I'm going to guess... When it comes to that safe cracker, right? Because you need somebody like up in the tower, and you need a safe cracker. When it comes to the safe cracker, I'm gonna guess that our stories did not play out the same. You may be right, but when it comes to the person scaling the tower, we—I guarantee you—you you went with the elf acrobatic person. 
Yeah, I did. Of course you did. Why would you why would you go with the dumb looking halfling guy when you can have a circus performer turned freaking thief? That sounds awesome. Yeah, that's way better. <laughs> Make it competitive. I mean, come on. Exactly. So I chose her. Uh and Matt, you chose the guy in prison? Uh no. Oh, so me and you chose the exact same thing. Well, okay. <laughs> Here's what happened. Uh-oh. I chose the angry, slighted dwarf, Casimir, for the safecracker. Um, he was very upset, threatening to blow himself up. I... Wanted him on my team, so I started to talk him down, and then he blew himself up. Oh, snap. And he was dead, and then I had to go with the guy in the mercenary camp. <laughs> my, I went with my plan B there, I guess. Oh, man. That's that's insane. So now but, I, so here's <laughs> – I guess it worked out in my favor because I could tell from his fiery spirit that I first started to try and talk him down. He got mad. So finally I said, okay, I guess you're not the guy for the job. You couldn't blow it up anyway. Reverse psychology. And he was like, well, I'm going to show you something. And he jumped down off his little roof and said, all right, I'll meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we got a little bit of Ocean's Eleven here with all this uh, ragtag group of thieves. So what did you have to do? Like, do tell. What did you have to do with the uh, the guy in prison? Uh, to be honest, nothing. It wasn't all that interesting. You just had to pay off the, pay off the jailer, basically. Ah. Pay the bounty. And so what, this this guy wasn't really a demolition expert. He was more of a lock picker? Yeah, I think so. Gotcha. Because you're looking for a safe cracker. Yeah. Yeah, well, my guy just blows stuff up. So we, we, like, when it came to the vault, there was no... Picking a lock, it was just, he's going to set a bunch of explosives and blow the vault door open. Which is exactly what he did. <laughs> so, uh, we convene back. Well, wait, there's one other thing we have to do. Uh, we have to poison. <laughs> we have to, uh, not poison, but we have to basically make some of the guards that are around the auction house, the Redanian soldiers, uh, maybe take the day off because they got sick from whatever they're eating. So I was able to bribe the, um, the cook into putting something in their meal that day. Yeah, me too. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, we did that. Then we convened back at the, uh, at the, uh, hideout and go over the plan. Uh, and I was like, I was so in on this. I was like, okay, I love, I love a good heist. So, um, and there, nothing went right. <laughs> nothing yeah, went right. <laughs> we, we weren't as sneaky as we thought we were. <laughs> no, no. Uh, and, uh, Geralt was really adamant about not killing anybody. Yeah. I don't know why. Just because they're Redanian soldiers. I mean, when you beat The Witcher 3, you find out the Redanian soldiers are like horrible people who, like, you know, just start killing non-humans at the end of it because they, you know, 
we killed all the witches. Let's kill. The, we, we must also dig through the the ditches. You know, maybe it's because he doesn't have the uh, the moral high ground since he's the one breaking in. I am. Not I guess. Person. I guess. I don't know. So anyway, he decides he doesn't want to kill anybody. Well, uh, the leader of this band, the shadowy man, uh, which I, I for the life of me can't remember what his name is. But uh, he's like, well, we're not going to go with that plan. So when we get discovered and get surrounded, he starts taking hostages. Uh, and I tell him, you need to let these hostages go. I'm not going to be a part of that. So he lets the hostages go. Uh, I, I don't know if that decides the fate of people. Um, did you let the let them go or no? Yeah, I, I did. I didn't. Don't know if it mattered. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if it mattered either. I know that the um, the elf acrobatic circus performer uh, said, "I'm out," and and just left. And uh, so it was just me, uh, the leader, and the uh, dwarven explosion guy. So, yeah. But uh, we're able to fight our way through all this and make it down to the vault. Um, making it to the vault, we run into the guy, the the guy who runs the whole the whole auction house, and Maximilian. Uh, Maximilian. And uh, that's when uh, everything kind of comes to a boiling point. We figure out who uh, this shadowy guy who's wanting us to do this heist with him, who really is. He's actually the brother of the man who runs the auction house. And uh, said his brother stole all of his inheritance, kept it for himself, and kicked him out of the family. And he said he's coming back to get everything that's rightfully his. (laughs) Yeah, then you get your big decision. Who do you back? Who do you back? So the guy who runs the auction house says, hey, you come with me, I'll give you whatever you want out of this, and the Redanian soldiers will not call you a fugitive. Or you can stay with the brother who started the heist and, I don't know, be, be, I don't, it's not a good moral choice because both are bad. Yeah. So, uh, which one did you go with, Matt? Uh, they didn't give me anything in this DLC or in this mission to make me think that Maximilian Porsodi has any redeeming qualities. So I, he, he was kind of a dick the whole time and he screwed his brother over. So I, I thought he needed to die. Yeah. I, so I, I did the same thing. I didn't want him to die. In fact, I tried stopping his brother from killing him. Yeah, I did too. But uh, now, I, once Geralt's like, "No, nah, don't kill him," he's like, "Okay, I won't." And then he just starts bashing his head in with a, with a um a candlestick. <laughs> yep, I also got screwed also because my safe cracker defected. Really? Yep. Couldn't oh, tell. That didn't happen with me. So what 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 happened with him? Uh, nothing. It was just, he, he basically just defects. And then when you, when you get in your fight, he's just an extra person against you. Oh, okay. Now nah, the, the dwarf guy was helping me. He, uh, he stuck with us and then it showed him like after we beat everybody, he was loading gold up in his pockets. Yeah. No, it's just me and Ewald. Ewald. 
But uh, yeah, um, then Ewald, he's like, okay, I want the house. So come to find out the (laughs) the house is a little house. (laughs) It's, It's like a model of the house. But inside of it is the deed to the house. <laughs> yep. So we we almost come, you know, we start going at each other over that, and they're like, "Wait, wait, wait! I just want the house. You can have the deed." Yeah, that's exactly. So you have a choice there. You can either say, "No, I'm taking this," or "Let's work it out." Yeah. Yep. Um. So Geralt, in uh, in the proper fashion, in Odim fashion, says, "I just want the house. You can have the deed. I don't give a crap." And um, he bring he takes it. We escape, and we take the house to Olgir. <laughs> and um, yeah, two down. Yeah, we bring the house and sit it there. And he's like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> he's like, "I brought you the house." <laughs> and he's like, "It is a model of the house, but I was what I was wanting was the actual deed." He's like, "Oh, ho, ho, ho! You did not say you want the deed to the house. You wanted the house." I brought you the house. Shut up. Yep. Mission accomplished. There you go. Just like Gunther Odim. He's like, oh, well, you got to be specific with your wishes. Because if you're not specific, then, well, you get the wrong thing. Ah, man. I absolutely love this. I yeah, I, li- I like the heist. I like the wishes getting turned against people. Like, yeah. It's just a bunch of, like... Maybe not the most original narratives, but just really well handled and, you know, just enjoyable. Yeah. So I absolutely love Odim. I, he, <laughs> he is one of the best villains in the entire Witcher thing. Completely. Yeah. He gave me kind of a Q vibe, an evil Q vibe. He's a lot like that. He's a lot like the, he's a lot like, the, like the demons, like like he he it, it is. I, I every time I think of him, I think of supernatural. I think of Crowley essentially, <laughs> yeah, because yep. he he is a crossroads demon, which is a demon that you meet at a crossroads. They will grant you a wish, and in so many years, they come and take your soul. And like every time I was like this this this, it made me smile every time he was on screen because he's just so he's he's. He's he's almost like delightfully evil. He's not fully evil until later on, but he's always just kind of mischievous. It's like, ah, oh, you know, I just we're having fun, and he'll show up, and he he shows up at the wedding, and he's like introducing. Here comes Geralt. Ah, here he comes. Look at him. He looks uh, he looks great, right? And it's just like, <laughs> what the hell is he doing here? He's he's like he's almost like um, Tim Curry as it Pennywise. Because every time I watch it, it's not scary to me because all I see is Tim Curry acting evil. And I'm yeah. just like, this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's he's very mischievous. And I absolutely love that about his character. But then he gets very serious later on, which we'll get into. But Yeah, I won't spoil it yet. But that moment when we're in the in pub the and he stops time. Yeah. That's, Holy that's, crap! That's that's when I was like, oh, okay, he he's he's done having fun and done having his his jokes. Yeah, he's 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 down to serious business. Um, so yeah, uh, 
The next wish is... Which you don't know before this, right? You no. only know the first two, and they say, you know, finish the first two, then we'll tell you the third one. Yeah. So, um, Ogier basically tells us, look, all right, you've done those two wishes. I got one that you'll never freaking get done. Ever. Before I left my wife, the last time I left, I saw my wife, I gave her a purple rose. I want you to bring me that rose. And, and to, like, okay. to me, this is the point where this DLC shifts. Because those first, you know, if you call it three sections, right? Like you've got the, in, in my mind, you've got the, the intro, which is like killing the toad and everything on the boat, setting up the story. Then you do these first two wishes that are, are somewhat lengthy, but they're almost self-contained. And then for me, this third wish and everything that happens after is more narratively driven. Like the, the, the first three sections, if you will, are, are all set up in my mind. Yeah, they could be their own little contained stories. Yeah, while, while this, this, one this third is... one, because it's so tied in with Old Geard's history, even more so than his own brother in yeah. the other, you know, in the, in the other wish. Like, to me, this is where it really shifts in, yeah. you know, in a few ways, visually, but as, as well, the, the tone and, you know, it, it basically, it's, it's starting to downslide here to a, towards a finale already in my mind. Yeah. And this is like, I, I love this part. Like I, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Um, just, just learning about it. So, because at this point, I'm thinking both Odim and Olgierd are villains. Um, but yep. after yep. learning a lot about Olgierd, you're like, maybe he's not the bad guy after all. Yeah. Um, yeah, because after these first two wishes, I was enjoying this game, but I'm like, it doesn't have much of an emotional punch to it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's fun. You know, I like a good mischievous demon. I like some. You know, I, I I like both of those big, you know, somewhat lengthy missions that we just did. But you know, it's it's just it's just game. Now, like in, from now on, it's game and it's meaningful. Yeah. So, um, he wants us to bring the purple rose that he gave his wife the last time he saw her. And we're like, okay, well, let's go find her, your wife. So, um. We go find the, the actual, you know, Von Everick estate. And it is completely desolate. It's, in fact, there's, there's a guy. Decayed. Yeah. There's a guy there who's, who's obviously like, hey, trying to rob the place. And he's, he's looking. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm looking for my friend. He went in there and he can't, came back out. And, um, there's like a mist around yeah and he's like he said what's in that fog he's like that's not regular fog i wouldn't go in there if i were you i've seen the mist yeah i know what happens so um (laughs) so he runs off uh when we go in um we find a cat kind of just sitting there it's a weird looking cat but Geralt kind of ignores it he continues on to the back courtyard and we run into this monstrosity of a thing digging graves. Yeah. And uh, it is known as the caretaker. Boy, 
this fight was annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so the caretaker uses this giant shovel to attack you. Now, his attacks are kind of choreographed, so you can dodge them. But if you get hit by him, he heals himself. So, and once you hit him enough, he then summons a bunch of other spirits and he then attacks the spirits and heals himself that way. So you then have to kill the spirits before he kills them. It was nuts. Uh, but I finally beat him and possibly my favorite line in the entire whole Witcher three, you, you kill this thing after this long fight and Geralt just says, the fuck was that thing? <laughs> <laughs> yep. My, my wife watched me do play this and she, and she was like, God, what was that? And then Geralt says, the fuck was that thing? And she's like, exactly. <laughs> But the cool thing is, you get his shovel, and it heals you, and it's fantastic, <laughs> and I will forever use that until I find <laughs> something better in blood and wine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we kill this caretaker, then all of a sudden the black cat shows back up with a black dog, and now they start talking to us. <laughs> And of course, Laura's looking at this like she hadn't watched much of this, and she's like, "What is this?" She's like, "What?" And I was like, "I don't know. They're probably like weird demons or something." How how close I was, but uh, <laughs> uh, they start talking to us in this really weird, you know, monotone voice, and they're like, "Okay, you killed the caretaker. Uh, we have been here for many many years, and we are." We were here to take care of Lady Von Everick. And uh, so they're like, okay, well, where is Lady Von Everick? She's like, oh, she's upstairs in, in, in the bedroom. So we get the key from the cat. We go upstairs. Obviously, this place is freaking haunted because there's stuff like yep. just flying everywhere. <laughs> um, and you hear like, you know, uh, moaning and stuff. Uh, finally make it upstairs and we find Lady Von Everick's body laying on the, the bed. He's like, great. So she's been dead for multiple years. So what now? Well, the cat, the dog both tell us that, well, um, Lady Von Everick is still haunts this place. Uh, maybe you can get her to answer your question if you give her a proper burial. So Carol takes her body out to the to the main, I guess the front yard, essentially. Yeah, the front yard, yeah. Yeah, and is like, all right, let's find a proper burial place. Um, so we bury her. I bury her next to the, um, the easel. Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, there's... There's four or five little places of interest in the front yard, right? And I think when I first came in, before I fought the caretaker, you fight a bunch of other, like, mist spiders. Um, and then when I came back out to find a place to bury her, you know, I checked, I checked like a little bench on the right side, thinking maybe this is a place they used to sit. Uh, but it was like, nope, it, this is too common of a place. I can't bury her here. And, 
it was by the easel, I think is is probably the only place you can bury her. Right. So, um, she used to be a very big painter um, back in the day. So uh, when we bury her, um, her spirit comes back, and Geralt's like, "Look, I need the purple rose that Olgrig gave you when he last saw you." And she paints a portrait on the canvas there. And she's like, you know, this is nonverbal communications. She points and then points to the picture, which is a picture of the Von Everick estate. And Geralt's like, okay, I guess she wants me to follow her because she goes into the painting. So we go into the painting and now we're in the painted world, which is very... The painted past, basically. Yeah. Uh, and so begins us learning a whole lot about Von Everick. Uh, as we wander around this painted world, um, we're finding these, basically these remnants of the past, um, these scenes from her past that we have to put together. Uh, basically, it's just a small little puzzle where you can find certain objects and you can uh, place like, you know, a, a mug in somebody's hand who looks like they're supposed to be holding a, a mug kind of thing. And uh, yeah, there's multiple ones. In fact, there's one that's apparently skippable. I didn't skip it and mm. I got I got I think possibly one of the most rarest achievements I've ever got on Xbox because when I got it, it popped up with like a diamond and said like 3% of players got this achievement, which was like basically solving every single memory. And I looked it up, and I was like, yeah, there is one that's not required to finish this DLC, and I just so happened to huh. have done it. Yeah. Which, which one was it, do you know? It was the one where she's painting in the gazebo. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's basically... this. It's, it's whenever you finally learn... So... You're, you're basically seeing a lot of this stuff in reverse order. You're seeing him, part of it in reverse order. So like I saw one where he, you could see, you could tell that he was visibly starting to become more hearts of stone, if you will. Yeah. A bit more distant. Yeah. Um, but how did, what leads up to that? So. To begin with, what was her name? Iris? That's it, Iris. Iris. Yeah, yep. Iris Von Everick. Um, she was uh, kind of a, a well-to-do woman who uh, her family had a lot of money. Uh, and he kind of didn't. He did for a while there, um, but he lost it all. Uh, Von Everick lost pretty much everything to... The guy that had the house. What was his name? What was the house's name? Barsodi. Barsodi. And, you know, with losing everything, her parents started looking at him like, oh, you're just, you know, you're you're bad with your finances. You don't really deserve our daughter kind of thing. You're unfit. Yeah. Uh, But he still loves her. She still loves him. And... um. It was to a point where, th- so this is how he started, uh, he put the curse on the prince, basically. 
he started dabbling with black magic. And uh, when when they found him, when his when her family found him to be unfit, they were going to basically arrange a marriage with this prince. He started messing around with black magic and cursed the prince. And when he cursed the prince, that's when Odim showed up. And Gontor Odim was like, hey, I, uh, I cursed that prince you wanted, uh, to, um, you know, get cursed. Is there anything else you'd like? And he's like, yeah, I, I want money. I want wealth. It's like, okay, you got it. And so with that, he then got his wife back or he got, he got to marry his wife. And he also wanted immortality. Yeah. He wished for that next. So I, I, I feel like he just kind of did that as like a off wish kind of like, I, I want to be immortal kind of like that. I don't know. I want to spend the rest of time with Iris. I, I don't know. Maybe it could be that way because she's also, she, while she's not immortal, she's basically cursed to always be there at the estate. And it's not because she's a ghost wandering the halls of the estate. It's because of Odim's basically, you want to be with each other forever you can live forever, but it's not going to be the kind of living that you want, basically. So, in turn, what ended up happening was he got what he wanted, but it started to change him. He became more distant, more, more calloused, and eventually got to the point where he couldn't feel loved anymore he knew that he loved Iris but he couldn't feel it anymore he basically got a heart of stone and in doing yeah. so he decided that he's just going to leave I don't feel like being with you anymore I just want to be I just want to do what I want to do I don't care so he yeah, what was his ra- was his rationale that, or was it that he didn't want to hurt her because he knew that his distance was hurting her? I mean, it could have been part of that, but then he, I mean, I, didn't he mention like he's like, I know I'm hurting you, but I don't feel it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was it was basically like I know that I am just doing horrible, bad things to you, but I just don't care. So, yeah, despite I'm, that, was the one thing he wanted. Yeah, I'm just going to leave. Uh, he creates using black magic, the, um, the caretaker to take care of her in the grounds and to keep her company, these two, this dog and cat, and they've lived there ever since. Um, and can't leave until she does. Yeah. And that's what we find out after all of this. Uh, Geralt's basically like, so why are you two helping me? It's like to the cat and the dog. And they're like, 
because we want to leave. We've been here for so long, and she's not alive anymore, and we're just kind of stuck here. And he's like, there's a catch to this. And he's like, I have a feeling you guys are demons. <laughs> and they, they, while, while they never admit it, they're like, okay, whatever, just, just, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have the option. So, uh, at the end of it all, Iris is there and she's like, I'm here. I want to leave, but I'm scared to cross over essentially because I don't know what it is. One of her biggest fears was leaving and not knowing what's going to happen. So you have the choice of either taking the rose, which was her last memory of Olgird, which if you take the rose, she then has nothing left to hold on to. She moves on to the whatever the afterlife is. Uh, that in turn then frees the dog and the cat from their, you know, servitude. Or you let her keep the rose and she continues living on the Von Everick estate in this kind of weird world. But she's content but not really. I don't. It's weird. <laughs> this is the weirdest choice ever. I base my choice solely on the cat and the dog. Mm. What did you choose? I said this isn't my call. I can't choose to send her to the afterlife. I left the rose with her. I said, you know, this, I I can't I can't end her afterlife her own life. That's, that's what I said. I did that too. I was like, this isn't my choice to make. Um, but it was also the one where it was like, she doesn't want to leave you empty handed because she still cares for Olgard. Yep. And, uh, she's like, uh, I'll give you something to give to him. I basically said, screw the cat and dog. <laughs> that's the, I, I basically, ba I, I, I was going to say, no, give me the, I was originally going to say, no, you, you keep the rose so that these two demons, whatever the hell they are, since they're being so freaking secretive with me, they can just stay <laughs> here and rot. But I finally said, I, this isn't my choice to make. So, uh, we leave the painted world and now the painting is finished. We're back in the real world. The painting is finished and there is a picture of her holding the purple rose in her hand. Geralt says, okay. Takes a knife, <laughs> cuts cuts out the rose with her and takes it to Von Everick. It's a consolation prize. There you go. So we're supposed to go meet not Von Everick. He's got things to attend to. Uh, we're supposed to go meet one of his guys at this tavern. And this is where we start seeing, this is where I was like, okay, I really like this character. We, when we walk into the, uh, into the tavern, time freezes. Uh, like Geralt's walking in and there's this drunk dude who's like, Hey, let me buy you a drink. And he's like, I got business to take care of. I'll be with you in a minute. He's like, oh, come on, man. And then he freezes time. And then old Dim's standing there. Or he's not standing there. He's sitting 
he's sitting cross-legged up on the on the actual table, and he's like, "Come on in, Geralt." It, yeah, the way he was sitting, it was almost like the other people couldn't see him. Yeah. And so Geralt comes, sits down at the table, and so begins some of my favorite dialogue in this game, which is basically, how'd you do that? And he's like, well, I can do a lot of things with time. He's like, and my favorite one is like, what are you exactly? Are you like a, a jinn or a demon? He's like, I'm neither. He's like, well, then what are you? He's like, do you really want to know? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. You don't want to know. <laughs> this isn't a wish that I'm going to fulfill for you. Trust me, you don't want to. And he's basically, it was, it was, I just loved that whole scene. Because everybody's frozen in time. And it's just Geralt and Odem having a little conversation. And, um, uh, Odem is, um, Basically saying, so you fulfilled all the wishes. Congratulations. And don't forget, Von Everick's mine. Don't, don't try to intervene with this. This is, this is what, this is my end game. And he's mine, so don't try to intervene. And, um, as he's leaving, he takes a spoon. <laughs> And shoves it into the eye all the way through his head of that drunk guy who was interrupting Geralt. Who still can't feel it because he's frozen. He's still frozen. And he's like, I don't like when people interrupt me. (laughs) He then walks out the door and then time starts back again. That dude falls over dead. (laughs) Geralt's sitting at the table with... Olgir's man and Olgir's or Olgir's man is like, how the hell did you get here? Where did you come from? <laughs> and what happened to this guy? And what happened to this guy? And everybody's freaking out. <laughs> He's like, all right, I got the rose. He's like, okay. He said, well, what do you want to do? He's like, I want him. He's like, I I want to arrange a meeting with him. He's like, okay. And he's like, uh, uh, according to Odim, he wanted to meet him somewhere. He says, okay, so uh, tell Von Everick to meet me at this location, and uh, I'll bring him the, the rose. He said, all right. And then he said, oh, yeah, by the way, that uh, that elf woman, Shawnee, was looking for you. So we get an optional thing right before the, the final mission, which is go talk to Shawnee. Uh, did you, you did that, I assume. Yeah, I did. I don't remember what happened, though, at the moment. Okay, so we go meet Shawnee, and Shawnee has been looking up uh, Von Everick. And she's like, so there's somebody who knows a lot about Von Everick and possibly about this Gunter Odem guy. It's a scholar who actually works at the, the academy where I studied. And so we go there. Unfortunately, he's being guarded by Redanian soldiers. Um, actually mage hunters, no less. So we have to sneak in and, uh, uh, by sneaking in, we have to climb through the rafters of his place. Yeah. And, uh, damage the roof of the house. Which to be fair, it was damaged before we even got there. It's true. 
place basically looked like it was falling apart. Yeah, but he doesn't know it because he's blind. <laughs> so we finally run into the scholar guy. The scholar is blind, but he has in his room here. He has basically what looks like another supernatural reference: a devil's trap. Yep, and he's standing in it. And uh, Geralt's like, so I want some information about Ogier von Everick. And he's like, why do you want this? He said, because I'm doing these wishes for this guy. And I want to know who he is and who this Gunter Odim guy is. And he basically explains that uh, von Everick's just a byproduct of this. Von Everick is just another one of his victims. Odim is the real bad guy here an ancient sinister evil yeah this guy has been around he's like we have tracked he's been around for 2000 years there have been accounts of him written in text basically call him uh, the man of glass or the man of mirrors yeah the man of mirrors I think uh, or the mirror man and um, nowadays he goes by Gunter Odim but this guy is not of this world. Whatever he is, he is something that we have never seen before. But he's been around forever. And basically what he does is he tricks people into giving them wishes. The wishes never turn out the way they want them to. And after he fulfills your wishes, he takes your soul. It's a shitty proposition. Yep. And he said that he had an encounter with Odim, which then left him blind. And he said Odim told him that he will get him. Watch your back. And he, But he said Odim even told me how to keep him from getting to me. He told me to write this. I was on the ground. Write this. And I can never get him. Or he can never get me. So I've been in this circle since I've talked to him. <laughs> Did they say how long that had been? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. But the longer it is, the funnier it is that he's just sitting in the circle and won't leave it yeah. at all. But then the roof starts to collapse and things start falling and a bottle falls and the guy steps on a bottle and slips and then breaks his neck on a chair. <laughs> And dies right there. But that, but that was like, didn't, it was because he would like just, well, not because, but he happened to be just outside the circle when he hit the chair. It's true. So the, when the roof started shaking, he moved, accidentally stepped outside the circle. That step outside the circle was the bottle. And then died immediately. And then he died immediately. So it looks like Gunter O'Dem got him after all. That's all it took. Final destination shit. Yeah. So, uh, Shawnee, talking to Shawnee, she's like, basically, I'm leaving. I'm going to go help the war front. Uh, I, I do. I'm I, medic. I did ask her to stay. She's like, for what? You're going to oh. be going doing your thing. I'm going to be going doing my thing. I don't want that. And you don't want that. I did not. I said, good luck. You are so calloused. You have a heart <laughs> of stone, Matt. My, my heart's with uh, another. 
My heart's with that other two, but she don't exist in this DLC. <laughs> <laughs> different area code? Yeah, different area code. We're good. So, um, yeah. Uh, uh, she's she's going to be leaving. We say our final goodbyes. And we go off to meet with Von Everick. Uh, it's in this, like, temple area. And Von Everick's like, why did you want to meet here? And you get the option of what, what you want to answer. I was like, yeah, it's a good place as any, right? <laughs> He's like, yet you chose this place. <laughs> uh, so I, we show him the, uh, the picture and I was like, so there you go. He's like, this is not what I wanted. I wanted the actual rose. And he's like, well, this is what you got. All of a sudden, bam, Odem shows up. He's like, nope, Geralt's right. He fulfilled all of your wishes. Now it's your turn to pay. And he's like, well, wait a minute. You forget. You told me that my, my quest wouldn't be over. My wishes wouldn't be over until we met on the surface of the moon. <laughs> she felt nice and safe. Yep. And so at this temple, the wind picks up, the sand and dust starts to go away. And we're actually standing on an engraving on the floor of a crescent moon. And he's like, uh-uh, look where you're standing, buddy. And he's like, no, no, no. We're supposed to be on the it real, count. <laughs> on the actual moon. He's like, you forget a demon. You don't make deals with demons, jackass. <laughs> and so he's, he's getting ready to, he's getting ready to take his soul. And we have the option. Let him take his soul. Or stop him. Matt, what did you do? How does anyone let Old Gear die at this point? I'm sure After, there's some people that have. His, his entire life was screwed. He had this whole life planned with Iris. And the whole thing got screwed because of Odim. You know, I, I c- couldn't help but say, no, he, he suffered enough. Well, I'm defending him. This is why you don't make deals with devils, Matt. It's his own fault. It's true. It's true. But I did stop him as well. Because I wanted to see Odem go down. Not because of Old Geard. I could give two craps about Old Geard. <laughs> I want to know more about Odem. And more importantly, how do we kill him? So Geralt's like, okay, here's the deal. You don't take him. You take me. He's like, I don't care about you. I care about Olgaard. He's like, okay, how about this? If I beat you at whatever game you come up with, then you leave him alone and you leave me alone. But yep, if he you, does, he does like games. Yeah, but if you beat me, you get us both. So basically, double or nothing. And he's like, okay, fine. Let's do that. He snaps his fingers and the screen goes black. It's just this click. And then we wake up and we're in this weird, freaking twisted nightmare dream sequence. (laughs) And he's basically like, okay, so we're going to play a game. Here's the riddle. You need to solve this riddle and you have a limited amount of time to solve it. So you tell me what exactly I am. I'm gonna. I'm looking it up. I'm looking up the riddle itself. 
Here we go. So the riddle is, <clears throat> to all things and men I appertain, and yet, and yet by some I am shunned and disdained. Fondle me and ogle me till you're insane, but no blow can harm me, cause me pain. Children delight in me, elders take fright, fair maids rejoice and spin. Cry, and I weep, yawn, and I sleep, smile, and I too shall grin. What am I? So, I stopped at this, this dialogue option, and it was basically like, Laura, come here. <laughs> I was like, I may need the two people to help me out with this because if they're just going to give me like five choices and I got to choose the right one, I'm probably going to fail this. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not that simple, no. <laughs> so basically what you have to do is run around this nightmare scape trying to find hints as to what this is. Um, and running around, there's like a, like a swing... There's all sorts of things. Um, there's also this part where we see Shawnee screaming for help and then kind of find out it's actually Odim. <laughs> yeah, when she's hanging off the ledge. Yeah. Yeah. But all roads lead to this, to the to the Von Everett mansion, essentially, in this nightmare escape. And uh, when we go through this mansion area, we see at the end of this long, long tunnel a mirror... And that's when Geralt's like, you're a mirror. Got it. But he won't let us get to the mirror. The, the floor crumbles. We find we find ourselves in this weird, like, what's that painting where all the stairs are upside down kind of thing? <laughs> the M.C. Escher? There you go. Yeah. Uh, and so we're running up all these different corridors and stairs. Mirrors everywhere. But every time we get close to a mirror, it shatters. And he's yep. like, ah, oh, man, okay, fine. We're going to be that way. And for the life of me, I didn't know what to do here. Yep, I, I actually ran out of time here. I did too. And then he comes up behind me and, like, takes my soul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then finally I was like, all right, it's got to be somewhere in this house. And so I started using my Witcher senses, and finally something lit up red. I was like, oh, right here. And you see where water used to be. It's like, aha, you can't shatter water, can you? So uh, we use Ard on uh, where the fountain is because you can hear water basically rumbling behind the wall. Make the water come out. Geralt then reaches into the water, seeing his own reflection, and grabs Odim. And he's like, I beat you, sucker. And he's like, take this mark off me. He takes the mark off of him. And as he's watching himself through the reflection, he sees Odim. What does Odim say at the end? Uh, so he says something in a weird old language that, you, that nobody understands. And there's no subtitles. But apparently... The, it it has been translated. Oh, really? Yeah. 
it says, uh, he says, you are primitive. You think you've defeated me, but you're wrong. I can't be killed. I will be back. <laughs> and then he dissipates into the reflection. The man of mirrors is gone. And we are sent back to the real world. Ogier is there. He starts to loosen up. Says he doesn't feel the way he used to anymore. He's getting his heart back. Melt that heart of stone. There you go. His heart is now two times too big. (laughs) Uh, And he says, well, I appreciate you helping me. And uh, he gives us his sword. Which is a pretty good compliment because when we were in that kind of nightmare realm for Odim, I picked up the Viper Sword, which was really, really good. I missed that one. Uh, so I have like a really, really good steel sword and a really good silver sword. Better than the uh, than the health regen shovel? Uh, well, I don't know if it's better than that, but... It- <laughs> It is pretty, it is really good. Yeah. And so, uh, Carol's like, what are you going to do now? You're going to go back to your band of, of misfits. And he's like, no, I can't go back to that. And he's like, I'm, that was, that was me when I couldn't feel anything. He says, now that I can, I'm going to go and try and make up for the things that I've done. Yep. So he then goes off. And Geralt sits there at that temple and roll credits on the Hearts of Stone. Yeah, I mean, it was a touching story in the end. Feel bad for old Geard. Feel bad for what his heart wanted cost him quite a lot. Yeah. The old saying, be careful what you wish for, rings true here. Also, don't make deals with demons, guys. It's not that hard. Yeah, it's a pr- pretty good advice all around, I think. Yeah. They always come to collect. But I thought that this DLC was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I me, loved me every too. minute of it. And I, it was so different. Yeah. Like, each piece of it, like, there was a lot of good pieces to this DLC. And, you know, every every two hours, you know, it took me, I think, 11 but you know, I'd say every two hours you're doing something totally different and and still really good. Yeah, and I I love the characters in it. I still I love Odem as the villain in this. He was like a mischievous, cheerful guy, and then all of a sudden, bam, got serious. Okay, it's time to collect your soul. It's mine now. Also, I'm going to shove the spoon in this guy's face. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it, it was. I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. And I love the fact that Odim is the first NPC you talk to in The Witcher 3 proper. Yeah. He's the guy who sets Geralt on his path to find Yennefer, which then leads to everything in The Witcher 3. Which makes me... It it doesn't make me believe it, but it it gives me the thought of this dude has been pulling the strings for a very long time. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice nod. Also, I thought it was really interesting that 
you know, he's watching you throughout this DLC because yeah. he's he's everywhere in the DLC. Yeah. He's like hiding in the background in like ten different places. Kinda cool. It's um Yeah. I just it's fantastic. And it just started off as a uh a simple go kill that frog. Yep. Giant a, toad. A, a simple Witcher contract to go kill a monster in a sewer. Yep. Like and, any other. Yep, just like any other. It's so good. God, this is so good. Like it, it like just it just complements just how good The Witcher 3 is by releasing like these side stories that are just just is as good if not better than the original game. Like I prefer everything that I did in Hearts of Stone, I prefer over anything I did in the in Witcher 3 proper. It just felt just felt fun, just felt really good. Yeah, I I think I would agree with that. It, it wasn't it, it, I don't want to say burdened. It's not like the rest of the game was burdened by the overall story. It's just that the overall story was so simple it didn't add anything to the minute-to-minute gameplay in the regular game. I mean, yeah. maybe a little bit of foreboding with, you know, there is the wild hunt out there. I want to know where Siri is. I hope she's okay. That's all there in the background. That's fine. But this was like tight. Like this, ten hours was tighter than the any any ten hours in the other game. I think exactly because the, you can't help it because it's it's the way the game is built. But it's like with any other RPG, you know, Fallout Four. My son got kidnapped. Well, let's walk west and do a bunch of side quests to do stuff. This is like yeah. The Witcher. You know, the wild hunt is on its way. I need to find Siri right now because bad things are about to happen. Well, let's go hunt this vampire right now. No, I mean it. It yep. doesn't. Make- I guess the wild hunt's not that important. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not. It's not. There's a pressing thing, but because it's a video game and you want to do other things that are fun in the game, you just kind of ignore it. While in the Hearts of Stone. Everything you were doing was fun and interesting, and it had to do with the plot at hand. Yep. And that's – it's, it's just – it's good mission structure is what it is. Not, not to say that the mission structure in The Witcher 3 proper wasn't good, but I just loved how it was handled here. Everything you did meant something in this whole thing because it was it – was, it, it, it all revolved around the grand scheme. So it, it like I think it was fantastic. Yep, and and it's just another game that I can easily get lost in, or another time of playing The Witcher because The Witcher Three is an easy game to put many hours into for me. I mean, it, it's some games I love, but after forty minutes or so, I'm like, all right, I need to do something else. Th- there was a couple of sessions here, you know, easily putting three or four hours in. I'm like, oh, I guess I should stop and do something else. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I don't feel like I need to do something else. Right. Yeah, it was good. Like I loved it. We got a couple emails. Let me bring them up here. It does also have me very excited for Blood and Wine. Yeah, me too. But uh, but at the, at the same time, I feel like Blood and Wine is going to feel like a, a lot like The Witcher Three proper. Because it's longer? Because it's longer. You're going to a whole new area. Yeah. As far as I know. 
So, but is it the general consensus that it's even better? From what I understand, everybody says like Blood and Wine's like all of its missions are fantastic. Yeah. Um. That, that's all I need to know. And it's all about vampires. <sighs> even better. So we got the first email coming in from Jamie. It says, hi guys. So first I wanted to mention how I found out Von Everick was immortal or whatever he was. So in the scene where they are planning to cut the guy's head off, I sort of stepped in and tried to be a bit civilized. But as I'd just cut down a million of those flaming rose guys without much question or whether or not they deserved it, I figured it would be hypocritical of me (laughs) to fight with them over it. I did try to get them to stop, but didn't outright attack them. So I didn't have... Uh, I didn't have to fight Von Everick. Instead, they killed the guy and his daughter attacked him and stuck him, struck him with a sword through his chest. Which one of his men promptly removed without issue. Yep, uh, that's what I did as well. That's what I saw. Oh, okay. Says, okay, on to the next task. Uh, I found the auction house to be kind of tedious, although it was kind of cool to find one of Vesemir's old flames. On to the heist. So do either of you guys watch Rick and Morty? Because I couldn't stop laughing at the whole getting the gang together part. If not, disregard (laughs) this random piece of pop culture. And shame on you for not watching Rick and Morty. Matt, do you watch Rick and Morty? I've certainly seen it, yeah. Okay. I've seen the first season of Rick and Morty. I haven't seen anything after that. I I don't have access to Rick and Morty. Because I can't. I don't have live TV. So, isn't it on? I think it's on Hulu. Is it on Hulu? I I thought so. It could be. Uh, maybe one day I'll pick it up. Who knows? Who? That, that's actually I would watch it more and probably rewatch it a lot more. Except Hulu is the app I use the least. If I just happen to open it more, I'd probably watch even more Rick and Morty. Yeah. So we got here. So I ended up going with the suggested characters or the favored ones. Uh, Wait, which ones were favored? Uh, the elf gymnast girl and the broken-hearted dwarf. Oh, well. Best laid plans. I tried to get him. Uh, the heist itself was pretty easy, but again, I was confused about why Geralt is suddenly worried about killing people. I know in theory his character avoids killing, but in practice we often cut down anyone who gets in our way. But off we go with our wooden swords. Also, the <laughs> elf ran off during the break-in, which struck me as odd. She just disappears. Do you know if there's ever an explanation for this? I She ran off on my game, too, and it basically I just saw it as uh, she saw it was getting hairy, and she she jetted out of there. I don't... Uh, yeah. See you guys later. I'm out. Not that invested. Yeah. Uh, says, I'm not really sure what to say about the rest of the story. I was surprised with the way it played out because I honestly thought it would follow a more traditional storyline about how he didn't get to marry the woman he loved and then kind of went mad or was cursed or something. The real story was worse, not storytelling wise, just more depressing, which I suppose is what the game does best. It tells tragic stories really well. I ended up saving Von Everick, less to help him and more to take down the real bad guy. I absolutely cheated to figure out the riddle because I was trying to finish this up before going to bed last night. 
but I was uh, still left pretty annoyed that Von Everett got to live. Meanwhile, I killed the hot frog prince. Poor Vladimir had to die for nothing. Ah, oh, I totally forgot to mention that. Uh, and Iris died of a broken heart. What a downer. But you know Von Everett gets his heart back and goes free. So happy ending. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Uh, Von Everett, uh, one of, to, to fulfill one of the wishes of, um, of, um, Odem, Von Everett had to sacrifice someone that he loved. And he gave him the option of his brother or his wife. He chose his brother, and the next day his brother was dead. Forgot about that one. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yep. Let's see here. I probably missed it, but what exactly did Von Everick ask the devil demon Jin for? Uh, to be able to marry Iris? Was that it? Or was he trying to gain powers? I was confused with all the stuff he was doing in his house with the pentagrams and all that. Plus his ability to curse the prince and all the other stuff he does, like make the caretaker and the animals. I'm really unclear about the, his three wishes, or did he not have three wishes, just soul his, sold his soul? I'm getting more confused as I type this. I thought that the Odem had to complete three wishes for Von Everick, which is why he got Geralt to help. But I guess he'd already got him caught in a contract by at that point. Uh, also, if Von Everick had already gotten his wish and married Iris, why did he have to turn the prince into a frog? Just to spite him? Poor guy gets engaged to a girl, then turned into a frog, and then killed by a witcher? Seems a bit unfair. So, uh, what, I think what I'm, I'm pretty sure what happened, or what I, I understood, was that they weren't going to let Von Everick marry their daughter because he yeah, because he I had think that's right. because he had nothing so they were going to marry her off to this prince he then started dabbling with black magic and turned the the prince into a frog kind of found out it wasn't him it did it it was actually odim he was watching him basically and was like hey i turned that guy into a frog for you so, uh, anything else you want? And then he was like, yeah, give me some money. All right. Give me some power, you know, like give me immortality. And, and he's like, okay. He's like, anything. He's like, all right, I want some more wishes. He's like, you know, he, he basically, he kept going. He kept getting deeper and deeper into the deal. And finally he was like, okay, you got three more wishes. And that's when he got Geralt to help him. At least that's what I think happened. Right? Yeah, I think I think that's that's pretty close. That's that's essentially how how I saw it as well. Uh, I I know that I'm I'm still a little bit confused though on then what are the three tasks that had to be completed? Right. So there was. Olgierd got what he wanted in the three wishes, but then what are the three tasks that that Geralt has to do? Those aren't three wishes by anybody. Okay, let me look here. Uh, I'm looking on the official wiki for 
Let's see here. Let's see here. Misfortune eventually struck the family with debts, poor investments, and a bad crop year. While they might have been able to eventually recover, around this time, Horst Bosodi had acquired the family's debts and required them to pay them immediately off or else he'd seize all their assets, including the home. Despite Ogier begging him to give them a week, Horst refused and see. Sorry, that, that, that the recording stopped and I was like, it messed me up. Uh, let's see here. Despite Orgrid's begging to give them a week, Horst refused and seized the Von Everick estate along with all their belongings, leaving the family homeless. Now no longer considered a high society family, Iris's parents deemed the relationship between their daughter and Orgrid unsuitable. And with a visiting Orfiri prince named Siravat in the area, decided to give their daughter's hand in marriage to the prince. Ogier, still in love with Iris, tried to convince her to elope with him, but Iris didn't wish to cut herself off from her family, leaving them with no choice in the matter. Upset at losing the love of his life and everything else, Ogier cried out in desperation that he wished the prince would turn into a monster. Not realizing the weight of his words carried, and he accidentally cursed the prince, turning him into a giant toad. However, Ogier realized that the only way to get Iris back was if his family recovered financially and eventually learned that the being that granted his wishes was Gaunter Odim. Gaunter agreed to grant three wishes, but in return, Ogierd had to choose to sacrifice someone he loved, Iris or Vladimir. He chose Vladimir, and the next day, during a raid, Vladimir was incidentally killed while trying to escape. Having been overwhelmed by soldiers... Wanting to have his brother's name live on, Ogier lied and said Voldemort died valiantly, trying to fight several at once and visit his grave on a regular basis. For, this, for his part, Gaunter restored the family's fortune and, as part of Ogier's other wish, granted him immortality. Initially satisfied with this, Ogier and Iris happily married, but this was short-lived, it turned out. His wish for immortality turned into a double-sided wish. While immortal, Ogierd also began to lose all empathy for everyone, including the love he once felt for Iris. On top of this, Iris's parents only reluctantly accepted Ogierd, as there was no one else to marry Iris off to, and they saw him as a ruffian and the thugs he regularly hung out with around the estate. They also outright offended Ogierd when he tried to give him money to clear any of the debts so he wouldn't bring shame to them. Years began to pass, and Ogier's marriage began to fall apart. Realizing what happened with his wishes, he began to practice Goetia uh, to try and resummon Gaunter to end their pact, but nothing he did worked. As he pushed Iris further and further away, it eventually got to the point that Iris brought her father in one day to end their marriage as it had become a loveless relationship. Ogier, now completely devoid of all feelings, got into an argument with Iris's father and shoved him into a stone pillar, instantly killing him. I forgot about that. Yep, that, that was one of those crazy flashback scenes That's where you right. see... That's right. Where you see the father actually disown him, right? Yeah. Uh, over time, Iris's hate soon turned into complete apathy toward her husband, who tried to give her spectral creatures as companions and later a caretaker that wait on her to tend to the estate, despite her protest that she didn't want any of this. Having long forgotten what love felt like, Ogird one day left the estate, leaving behind a violet rose and a letter explaining that he didn't want to put her through any more pain 
and was leaving. So there you go. Sucks. Yep. Oh, I got to bring back that email. I put my phone back down. My bad. Okay. Go back to where it was. Boss-wise, back to the email. Uh, Boss-wise, I had the most difficulty with the caretaker and a bit of trouble with all the Von Evericks. Once I lured the caretaker away from all the graves with the spirits to raise, though, I killed him really quickly. The hardest boss for me the whole time was the damn frog. Even though I complain about it a lot, I did enjoy getting back into Witcher 3, and this DLC was definitely worth the price I had paid for it. It's amazing how much story there was. I'm interested to see if it ended differently for you guys. I also haven't really done much clearing of my backlog. Working from home and now teaching my daughter is challenging. Add to that an addiction to Overwatch, and there aren't enough hours in the day. Recently, Final Fantasy VII Remake... Oh, oh, so I did get the uh, this game uh, you might have heard about recently, Final Fantasy VII Remake, so I guess I'll try that out next week. Uh, when are you guys going to do Far Cry 5? If so, I'll hold off on finishing that one. Jamie. I don't know. Matt, are you at all interested in doing Far Cry 5? Yeah, I, I would like to do Far Cry 5. I've, I have played... A few Far Cry games. I have not ever... Finished one? Well, I was going to say finished one. I've never really even gotten halfway through a Far Cry game. Really? I 100% completed Far Cry 3. I platinumed Far Cry 4. And I got about halfway through Far Cry 5. Yeah, I I certainly wouldn't mind playing 5. I absolutely love Far Cry. I love Far Cry. Like I still think three is my favorite. Um, four was kind of meh to me, and then I liked five's premise. Yeah, I think I've played played a bit of three, four, and Primal. I own Primal, but have never booted it up. Got it like on a deep sell, like five or six bucks. Yeah, me too. All right, uh, our next email. Um, well, yeah, when it comes to Far Cry Five, I, I, Matt, do you even own it? I'll have to check. I think I do somewhere. Okay. I mean, I'm down for it if you are, but that's going to be a, that's a that's a heck of a that's, that's a lot of game there. <laughs> it really is, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I would I would love to finish it. Yeah, maybe in the dog days of summer. Sure. All right, next one comes in from Chad. It's a short one. It says, uh, sorry for the last minute submission, but I felt like I should try and get something in. I have two questions for you. One, now that you have finished it, would you characterize Ogier as a good or bad guy? Similar to the Bloody Baron? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say he's a bad guy per se. I think he did some bad things um, with some misguided reasoning, but I don't think he's a villain. Yeah, I don't think so either. Did, how much of those bad things did he do before his heart was cursed, though? I mean, he did wish a curse on a prince that 
really had nothing to do with him except, you know, because he couldn't get the girl. Yeah. But, so I guess it wasn't clear to me, did he actually want him to be cursed or did he just, right, did he just say that? Like, oh, I wish, wish he was dead. Wish he was cursed. He may have. But he also wished, um, he wished for his family's estate back and immortality and sacrifice his own brother for it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I saved that guy, but much like Jamie said, I didn't save him. I didn't save him for him. I saved him to stop Odem. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, I would have said he's not quite as bad as the Bloody Baron because the Bloody Baron did all of his bad deeds himself. True. With his own actual fully functioning heart. Yeah. Very true. Both good characters, though. Both really good, fairly tragic characters. Yes, absolutely. And uh, second question, uh, now that you've had a taste of CD Projekt Red's DLC content, what are you expecting from Blood and Wine? Uh, good side missions and uh, hopefully some good vampire boss battles. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I don't really know what to expect. I want to delve into some kind of vampiric court. You know, I like Vampire the Masquerade. I want to. I want to delve into not just another area of the Witcher, but another like part of society of the Witcher. I think that would be cool. Gotcha. I I think you may get it. I'm not sure, but um, I, I'm excited to check it out. I I mean, they say it's like. 25 hours. So, I mean, it's probably going to take us a little while to get through that. Yep. But first, folklore. I'm going to get through that. Which I think is more like 15? Yeah, somewhere around in there, from what I understand. Pretty sure How Long to Beat says about 15. Let me take a look here. How Long to Beat... There it is, and folk lore. Fourteen and a half hours from main story. Twenty-four and a half hours from main story and extras. So it's a ten-hour difference there. <laughs> it's a lot of extras. Yeah. But there you go. It's a whole hearts of stone worth of extras. I know. But yeah, uh, I haven't put in. I haven't even actually looked at my disc. I got this off eBay. Okay. No scratches on the disc. I think we'll be okay. That's good. I popped it in and just played the first 10 minutes to make sure it worked. There you go. Yeah. We're going to be doing that next. I'm uh, I'm excited to get that off our list. We've been having it on there forever. (laughs) Yeah, me too. But, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's it for us. We'll be back with more Witcher, but we're going to do Folklore first and uh, move on to Blood and Wine after that. And then we're finally done with The Witcher 3. Yeah, yeah. 
took us since 2015 we've been talking about doing the witcher 3 <laughs> five years later we're finally getting to it all the witchers will have been completed yep yep well not not technically but well we'll see but uh yeah that's going to be it for us um if you would like to uh send an email it's drew at ztgd.com you can tweet to us about anything you want to i am at drew leachman and matt is at remgs the podcast itself is at ztgd phoenix down but uh yeah get in contact with us uh, anybody out there playing folklore with us i know there's a, i know there's at least one person playing folklore with us so i want to expect an email so give me an email <laughs> but uh yeah that's going to be it for us until next time i'm drew and i'm matt and we're out of here you guys have a great week we'll be back next week with the beginning of folklore <laughs> <laughs>